Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Happy October, Popcorn Book Club listeners. We've covered horror and monsters and cults of scary white people a few weeks ago with our discussion of Lovecraft Country. And now we're covering the other side of the spooky season with the gothic thriller Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. Maurier, oh God, my French. Soon to be a film on Netflix. Not goth in the sense of dressing in all black and listening to Bauhaus, but gothic, like gothic romance and death, you know, fun. She does not care at all that her husband committed cold murder. She's like, but he hated her. He killed her because he hated her. Woohoo! I was I was hooked in that moment because I'm like, oh, she's going to take us on a ride because she's going to try to explain away or try to reason all these very, very real red flags. Welcome back to Popcorn Book Club. I am Dana Schwartz, joined as always by Karama Donkwa, Jennifer Wright, Melissa Hunter, and Tian Tran. Hi, everyone. I am so, so excited that we're talking about the book, Rebecca. I had never read it. And I I feel like once maybe in my childhood, I had started the prologue and I got like two pages in and I was like, meh, and put it down. (laughs) And once you sort of get over the hump of like the first like 20, 30 pages, this book really takes off. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tim, what was your experience? I... I absolutely loved it. Kind of the same, though. I was like, at first I was thinking to myself, I can't wait for this book to pick up. Everyone's been talking about it. And then when it picks up, oh, baby, it picks up. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. All the characters are really fleshed out and funny. funny, And the narrator is, I don't know about you all, but is hilarious to me. (laughs) So, so funny to me. Um, so I'm like super excited to watch all the adaptations too, because I like really hope that they stay true to some of the quirks and or like personality traits of everyone. Cause I really, really loved it. Uh, Jennifer, you had read this book before and you were, you were vouching for it for us. What is your experience with Rebecca? It was really interesting because I read this when I was a teenager and it was around the same time I was reading books like Jane Eyre and Wuthering Heights. And this really fits into that gothic romance category. 
And I feel like I had a very different experience with it now as an adult than um, what I felt when I was a teenager. I definitely had a lot more sympathy for Rebecca now as an adult. Um, mm-hmm. I, I still think the second Mrs. DeWinter, who has no name, is incredibly funny and likable. Um, I, I think I had a different perspective on her loyalty to Maxim than I did <laughs> when I was a 16-year-old girl. So we can get into that as we I, discuss it. I will say she is a ride or die. Oh, Surely. yeah. 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 Yep. Uh, Karama, you, as you made before we start recording, you mentioned that you did not finish this book I by did choice. Not. I, would you care to elaborate? Well, first of all, I would just like to start by saying I know that I'm going to start getting a reputation as the person that doesn't finish the books. <laughs> um, but I actually, so I was very wary about reading it. I was like, this feels boring. I don't want to read this. And then everybody was like, it picks up like 40, 50 pages in. And I was like, okay, I will read it. And I got more than that far. And I just felt like it never picked up for me. And Mm -hmm. like, I got almost 200 pages in before I was like, how much time am I going to invest in something that is genuinely difficult for me to enjoy? And I kind of wanted to have a discussion, at least at some point during this conversation about when it's okay to sort of abandon a book because I was like, ooh, I've really, really put in the effort and I've gotten to the point where people are like, this is where it really starts. And I do think that there are good things about it. I don't think that it is an irredeemable book. And I just, I also have my own biases. I don't like romantic Gothic literature. I don't, I didn't like Wuthering Heights. I never read Jane Eyre. I Mm. was just like, no, this style is not for me. And so I found that revulsion and like sort of pushing against it again reading this book I was like oh god I really don't enjoy anything about this but I'm really excited to watch it as a film because I think that the core plot elements really will lend themselves to an exciting thrilling viewing experience I will say I want to go on record as saying I think if you're not enjoying a book you can always abandon it they're Mm -hmm. like if you give a book a fair chance life is too short there's no there are so many good books in the world Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. it's i feel like it's kind of like watching the first three episodes of a tv show and if it doesn't like everyone has a Mm -hmm. limit of like how far you commit to a tv show why not Mm -hmm. for a book too you know uh so melissa what was your response to rebecca Oh God, I loved it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I had, I did have the same experience in the beginning where I felt it was very slow. I was reading like I couldn't read it at night because I kept on falling asleep within a page, um, and it reminded me of high school where I was like, I have to read this book. But yep. then, uh, but but I do think on the flip side of have being so happy we are doing this podcast is like normal Melissa would just have given up at that point, but because. We are doing this podcast and I, my main motivation is not being publicly shamed. Um, I, that's why I'm a very, I'm a very good student in that way. <laughs> like I love deadlines to other people. I pushed through and I think it was around like, like right after she went to Manderley when I was just like when Mrs. Danvers came in and everything that I was just like, oh, there's something going on and I don't quite know what it is and then just like the building tension 
was so much for me and I just loved the hero so much and was so like in on this ride with her that I loved Wait, it. And you then loved Maxim de Winter so much. No, 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 no. No, oh, the, narrator. Narrator. the narrator. Not the hero. Okay. Yeah, sorry. The narrator. No, and- that would have been interesting. No judgment. It would have been fun. We just would have talked about it. Jen. The listeners can't see your face, but I can. There was judgment there. Oh, yeah. I love him. Every, you know, he just reminds me of my fiance. No. Um, um, I want I want a boy who will bring me to his house and then never yeah. talk to me. They just be <laughs> kind a dog, of a baby and dog. Best treat you like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll baby only duck. eat like three things on a platter okay, of like that, 95 yes. foods. I'm just like, I had a lot of problem with the no. food waste. Yeah, it's so yeah. much food yeah, waste. And she never, and she was too insecure to, I also very much related. She ends up addressing it later. She, she, well, she ends she up kind doing of yells it. at them that there's so much waste going around. Yeah, well, she makes this snide comment. I, yeah. yeah, I feel like, I think, Dana, you're saying too, like, I just related so hard to her. Like, I was her at 18 of, like, just um, having these imagined conversations of what people are saying, what the horrible things people are saying about me. And, like, these, I just called it, like, Rebecca, the rumination (laughs) cycle, because it just felt like she was just this constant circular, like, reaffirming uh, of of these beliefs that she was so distracted by that she didn't notice that her her husband killed his first wife. When she finally realized... Like her sticking point is he never loved her. Oh my God. He never loved her. Yeah. It was, it's like the How best, wonderful. the best news ever that he killed her. It's, I, that's the ride or die. Is so that funny. She does not care at all that her husband she committed cold murder. She's like, but he hated her. He killed her because he hated her. Woo-hoo. Oh my God. Like, it was very mm-hmm. obvious to me that he killed her. Like, I clocked that very early on. And I'm like, wait, okay. So you don't realize that this dude straight murked his ex-wife. Like, you don't know that, but lady? Like, I, I knew before they left, Monica. What was the tipping point for you? Weird oh, I, because I absolutely did not know that. Yeah, that's no, I remember coming. the first I, time I read it, it came as a real shock to me. No, I knew. And I had never read this book. I didn't know anything about the movie. I didn't know it existed until Jen suggested we read it. So I was reading it and I was, I remember I was like on page 75 or something. I was like, oh, this motherfucker <laughs> killed his wife. <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember Here's- the exact moment. I think it was, um... I think it was when Beatrice first came about. The sister. And I feel like she kind of knew. She didn't know, no, for sure. But she was like, oh, well, yeah. I hope you guys are happy. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> With everything else that's been leading up to this and the way that everybody's talking about Rebecca and the way he's like, I wish you wish you could bottle your memories and I wish that I never had to think of them again. And I'm yeah. like, oh, he murdered I- her. Yeah. And Beatrice yes. talks about how yeah, he's yeah, an yeah. explosive temper. That oh, just yeah. like yeah. once or twice yeah. every year he becomes uncontrollably. Exactly. Furious. So I think yeah. it was about the Beatrice visit where I was like, oh, okay, he killed her. And I think for me also realizing that early on, it didn't make oh. the book interesting to read because I'm like, it's taking so long to get to the murder. <laughs> I will say what I found very relatable is that as someone who 
uh, does not know how to ask for things or or uh, advocate for myself, it was very relatable. As we were mentioning with like the food waste, the second Mrs. De Winter like, clocks, like there is a ton of food waste in this house. Mm-hmm. And it takes the full arc of the book for her to be able to be like, yeah. just fucking reuse the same food, you assholes. But me, I'm like, I don't know how to ask for anything. Like I have like a manager and I'm always like, can I ask her? I don't want to send this thing to her. I don't want to bother her. And my friends have to be like, she works for you. I loved when she hid the Cupid that she broke in the, and and she had to like be like, I did it and I was afraid. Like that just felt (laughs) so like just being a person who doesn't feel like they belong in the place that they literally are Mm -hmm. calling home. It feels so true. And I'm like, Karama, I definitely thought from the beginning that he killed his wife. Like when they first like the mysterious widow and also it's a Hitchcock movie. So it's like, okay, there's murder involved. However, Mm -hmm. I felt like the way it was written, you just get so sucked into her Mm -hmm. point of view that like and this vision of Rebecca and the jealousy of Rebecca and everyone loving Rebecca that like. To me, I, it, like, pulled me into a different narrative of hers that by the time he actually said it, it mm-hmm. it wasn't shocking to me that he killed her. It was shocking to me that he did not love her because mm-hmm. that felt like, to me, what I thought was, oh, there was, like, they loved each other, but they had these big fights, you know? And oh, it was, like, a tragic accident. accident. And the, the first twist, yeah, the first twist to me was how when Mrs. Danvers describes how Rebecca loved no one. And I was like, whoa, I okay. So she's, like, a interesting, cold bitch. Like, that's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and And that was a throw to me. And then, and right then after that the was the shock. Yeah, that it was, I like... Mean, how could he do this to to Mr. DeWinter? Like, yes, maybe he killed her, but he also like loved her and re- regretted it. I'm I'm not saying that makes him a good person, but that that's the narrative that I had in yeah, my head. Yeah, I think that I also kind of clocked early that he probably murdered her. Or was and I think it was when they were on that drive and he like stopped on that like cliff and was fucking weird. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh, he's. <laughs> He did something like just knowing. Yeah. S- yes. Something was wrong. Something's wrong. Did he push a bitch yeah. off the cliff? Like yeah. what's going yeah. on here? Only because you we've all talked about it in like, you know, I've I've seen the trailer for the Netflix adaptation and like we know that it's a thriller. We know that like something mysterious, like spooky and there's some sort of like we know this woman mm-hmm. is dead. So at, at that time when she's in the car going to the yeah. cliff and she even like. I love the way she talks about it. She's like so forgiving when he's acting like a fucking weirdo that like I was I was hooked in that moment because I'm like, oh, she's going to take us on a ride because she's going to try to explain away or try to reason all these sort of like very, very real red flags that any of us would hope. I would hope that like we would be like, oh, that's not a good sign. I will also say she was very blind, like. I think I was with you, Melissa, where I fully would have believed, like, oh, it was, I knew something was weird with the accident, but like, oh, it was a tragic accident of a, a flight of passion gone gone wrong, of like, whatever. But I think, like, the book also establishes really well his position and um, wealth and age and status. And, like, she has nothing. Like, her choices are literally 
marry him or travel as a basically a servant with this insufferable American woman. Mm-hmm. So it's like he is like the Prince Charming narrative. Like Look, that was be- her only choice. She began the book being trained to be a companion. I would not make book that as choice. A- she ends the book as a companion to a much I older would. man who is not oh, nice to her, living I, out of I hotels. I wrote down that the plot of this is what if there, or the pitch is, what if there was a sequel to Cinderella where the marriage absolutely sucked? Because yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it does feel like the whisked away happily ever after, like she was in poverty and this rich, handsome man comes and takes her to this state and then it turns out she feels awful all the time. And then the husband is a murderer. I've had enough of that murder, Daddy. Let's take a quick break. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean... It's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're back with Popcorn Book Club from iHeartRadio. I find it so interesting that you all really related to the narrator because I did not at all. Mm. And I found her mm. deeply annoying a lot of the time. And I, sorry, Dana. <laughs> I was like, how are we friends? 
Sometimes I also find you deeply annoying, but I love you anyway. I keep reading the book that is you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. But uh, for me, it was like, why aren't you saying things? Why aren't you asking for things? Be more assertive. What's your fucking problem? I understand that it is the early 20th century. However, you have way more agency than you are allowing yourself. I mean, even at the beginning, and I'm also that person at a restaurant that will 100% send something back. And I'm not going to be a bitch about it. But if it's not what I ordered, I'm going to tell somebody, hey, I'm so sorry, I don't eat nuts. I'm not allergic. I just don't eat them. But I don't eat nuts. I specifically asked for this not to have nuts. Could you bring me back a version that doesn't have nuts? Thank you so much. And but like you are uncommonly self-assured. I don't feel that yeah. though. I don't. But I'm you deeply are. insecure a lot of the time. But I find that like when she got that cold ham in the beginning and she's just like, oh, well, I guess it's just a reflection of how the staff here sees me as lower and lesser. And I'm like, bitch, ask for warm ham. I don't understand what you're doing. Karama, I have to say, as someone who has known you years, mm-hmm. you are an incredibly self-assured person. I remember the first time I met you at like freshman, it might have been freshman week or whatever. Mm-hmm. My parents were at college and you like extended your hand and you're like, hi, I'm Karama Dakwa. So nice to meet you, Mr. and Mrs. Schwartz. And like, the most self-assured way that I was absolutely floored. I was like, oh my God, she's so confident. Like, I was you, an you adult have... woman though. Like yeah. you should be confident yeah, as an adult okay. woman. We, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily relate to her, mm-hmm. I, but I just, I loved her growth. Like she mm-hmm. had, if we, if she started out being assertive, she wouldn't have ended up with Daddy Maxim. That's like, true. We yeah. needed, <laughs> like we needed her to be kind of like diminutive and like kind of like a, you know, in this sub dumb <laughs> relationship yeah. that is being established. We needed her to be kind of like questioning everything so that at the end she can finally be like, I want a new menu. Like for her, that is such a huge moment of asserting herself, which I thought was hilarious. Like I just, I thought she was funny. Like there was something very funny and charming about her little victories being so small, but for her being huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, I did relate to her. I'm not, I don't think I'm like her now by any means, but I, when I was 18, I sure, and going to college, I sure didn't know how to talk to anybody. And I like sometimes would think I would, but then I would sit and stew about all the stupid things I said in my first yeah. acting class all night. You know, I think this was, it's really, int- it feels like a really perfect portrait of someone who is deeply insecure and hasn't come into herself um, and someone who suffers from anxiety, Uh, like just not knowing what to wear to the fancy dress ball. I'm like, girl, I've been there so many times. It's like, how far do I commit to this Halloween party? Do I really go all in? Of course, Max doesn't dress up. That's so typical for him. Uh, But she perfect. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like, I will be Um, wearing an impeccable tuxedo. You navigate this minefield alone. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, I, I just feel like for, to me, I, I thought she was very funny and I wanted her to speak up and that's why it did feel so satisfying in the end. Um, my also big note was I really want a flower room. Oh, yes. 
I think we can all agree upon that. Everyone deserves a flower room, room wherever and they a, And a morning room. I want a morning room and to And a library would be nice. And a flower yeah. room to put all my flowers in. I mean, so. I walked away from there being like, should I have tea time <laughs> yeah. every day? Yeah. British I people do it. Like, when they... When they go to London, they're like, oh, it's 5.07. We should wait for their tea time to be over. I'm like, yeah. it's like on the dot, these Brits. I um, The thing that I wanted to point out a little bit towards what you're saying is like there is a very, what's the, asymmetrical relationship between Max and the second Mrs. De Winter that mm-hmm. I think um, the narrator does in very subtle ways, which is what reminded me of Phantom Thread because the relationship is uneven. But mm. again, in the book, she is a teenager, or 22. Is she? I think she's 22. They never and specifically say. Also, 22 I is not they a said teenager. She was teenager. I no, no, no. She was I 18 or 19. That's why I was like, was she a teenager? Was she? I was talking out loud. I, I know she was not older than 21. I think. Okay, so 19. I think she said she was 19. Yeah. So she's 19. He's in his 40s. He is mm-hmm. of the landed gentry, and she is an orphan nobody. So it's like all these factors combined put her in a very vulnerable position to not speak up in situations where she absolutely should speak up. Well, but she has this mm-hmm, fantasy yeah. at the beginning that she's going to go to Manderley and she's going to yeah. be the lady of the house and she's going to entertain people and people will come down from London to see her. And um, I don't think she realizes until she gets there that she is not in a position in her life where those things are going to happen. That. That is mm-hmm. an absurd fantasy, like imagining I'm going to build a house on the moon. Um, she just yeah. like doesn't know the details of how to manifest that, even if she yeah. has the external yeah. trappings. Yeah. And it's clear that like Maxim didn't know how to do that either. Rebecca made that house. Uh, mm-hmm. Rebecca yeah. was born with a huge amount of confidence, uh, seemingly given free reign by Danny, who raised her. And mm-hmm. um, turn Manderley into this uh, terrific show palace with like beautiful gardens and amazing parties mm-hmm. and interesting people. And all she asked for in return was the freedom to fuck around. <laughs> um, <laughs> they had a very clear arrangement. I yeah. will give you the most beautiful house in the world. Yeah. Let me fuck people in London. Yeah. Yeah. Including um, my first cousin. Okay, this is really this is really interesting to me because I um I had always read this assuming that Daphne Aurier saw herself as the second Mrs. De Winter because all I knew about the author was that she was very shy and she ended up buying the estate that I think is called Mandibilly that inspired Mandibilly. So uh, good for her. That's all I knew about her until I started reading more about her. She was a bisexual mm-hmm. who had lesbian affairs. Yes, she And did. also, she fucked her first cousin. So, and wrote about it in her memoirs. So, I did not realize the extent to which the author maybe saw herself in Rebecca when, certainly mm-hmm. when I first read this book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so just, just to be clear, though, Rebecca definitely had some sort of sexual experience with Mrs. Danvers, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. That, okay. Wait, really? I, that's what I thought, too. You think so? I 100% well, I don't know. Mother, I, I think Mrs. Danvers raised her and it might have been her mom. Yeah. I thought she was the mother. Like, because yeah. no. the mother died early and she raised her. That's yeah. what I saw him to be a creepy mother-daughter thing. Yeah, but also, like, I think especially when we watched the Hitchcock version, 
there is an intense sexual element there. Uh, it, I felt it on the page. Like maybe if they didn't sleep together, then Danny Danvers wanted was to for sure wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yes. yes. Yeah, I also just love like I it makes the whole thing makes me really want to meet Rebecca because she is such a charming person, but also clearly a sociopath. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. okay. like the way she's described, like she's able to reflect back whatever someone is is uh, is telling them and is able to like figure out what people want and give it to them and has no feeling for anyone. I'm like, oh, there's just like this is like a textbook sociopath. And I just think it's so mm -hmm. Like it doesn't make her, I, I it doesn't make her a villain. It just makes her so interesting to me. Like she's just like a very successful sociopath. Okay, yeah. I don't know that that's necessarily true though, mm -hmm. because we're getting that whole perspective from Maxim, who shot her. No, from Danny. Danny, no, Danny's Danny perspective was the, what I think the Danny thing is maybe partly she was only ever able to love me because I was in love with her and we were in love and she hated all the rest of you and that's what was happening which is I, a, that's I like so that's classic scorned no. lesbian behavior yeah I, I, I do I think the that the book vibes. I think that the book does make it clear at least how I read it that Rebecca was this fascinating beautiful brilliant sociopath like also the way that like details about how she would like talk to people and then talk about them behind their back was very like that Regina mm -hmm. George of like oh my god I love your skirt is Thanks. it it was my mom's in the 80s <laughs> it was the yeah, if not if not as far as sociopath definitely like me, popular mean girl like for sure for popular sure mean girl and yeah. I and I question taste and coolness because Favelle sounds like a piece of shit Oh, yeah. I fully imagine Favela's Arnie Hammer. Like, I am very surprised oh. that she is playing Maxim de Winter in the upcoming version. Oh. Because I just don't imagine Favela's, like, this beefcake oh, who is really? now an alcoholic <laughs> because he was fucking was, his first cousin. I thought it was, he was like Paul Giamatti. Yeah. <laughs> I was imagining. Oh, no. They <laughs> too. Oh, God. No, they <laughs> talk about how, like, girls at sweet shops and cinemas would oh. be, like, very excited by his presence. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, 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 Giamatti. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did were a look girl up. in a sweet shop. I would be excited by the presence <laughs> of Paul Giamatti. Oh my God, See, Paul Giamatti's here. <laughs> I think the, I think the way they described his drinking and his like sweaty and that he's like getting puffy because of all the drinking and smoking. I just imagined <laughs> that kind of very classic. British character actor who's just like a little bit blustery all the time and is just so angry about everything. Oh, and just I, like, I, I fully imagine like president of his fraternity and just yeah. like now, like right Wait, on Karama, the okay. I'm not going to be hot. Wait, wait, I, I think I got between it. Between those two people. I, wait, wait, I have to say, before you get your answer, Karama, mine was uh, like very oh. greasy, puffy Colin yes. Farrell. Oh, interesting. Like when Colin yeah. Farrell That's is like good. greasy, like greasy but hot. Yeah. Okay. I think oh. that it should be Stanley Tucci yes. because I think he can do all of those things. No, I think that he's no, I love Stanley Tucci. He's, he's right. so nice. No, he would be amazing no, in that so role. Nice. Right, Did you well. guys watch The Lovely Bones? Because he was great in The Lovely Bones. He can play yucky yes. people, but yes. also he's still very physically attractive. Like, I fell in love with Stanley Tucci when I was 11, and I watched A Midsummer Night's Dream, and he was playing Puck, and I was like, oh, mm. Robin, good fellow indeed. 
But see, but see, I feel like his oh, Stanley Tucci's attractiveness mm-hmm. is in that he looks so classy, and you want him in like a button down making you a drink. Where it's like Jack, I imagine his attractiveness is that he's like. Kind of seedy and would like I hand roll that. you a cigarette but I think and be Stanley like, Stanley mm. Tucci could do that, you know? Yeah, just like he's put like him in the, a sauna uh, before he goes on set. Let him get a little hot yeah. and like. Yeah. I'm, I'm Tucci <laughs> gang for real, for real. So, like, I think Stanley Tucci can do literally anything. <laughs> I didn't understand Army Hammer's casting for me because oh. he and Lily James are the same age. And I thought oh, the, yeah, age that's yeah. the age difference makes, is very important. really makes it. And so they're both in their mid thirties, which is yeah. which is weird because Hollywood loves casting a very yeah. young woman against a forty year old man. Like that's their favorite thing to do. That's like um, their bread and butter. Hollywood, like, like, and they oh, had it like it was handed you to them. Then? Like here, guys, <laughs> yum, yum yum, yum. Here's a treat. <laughs> uh, it's tea time. They did an eighties version where Charles Dance is cool. Maxim de Winter, and I think it's really good casting. Um, he's oh. uh, he's Tywin Lannister on um, oh. on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He just seems really uh, steely and unfeeling. So I don't. I I just looked up Jack Favell, who plays him in the new one, and his name is Sam Riley. I don't know who he is, but I actually think yeah. he he's right. He's the right blend of everything. He's younger okay. than he's like I a young Stanley Tucci. He's then. a little. He looks. He's like a young, good-looking guy he that totally looks a little does. like his bangs are sweaty, you know? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Slutty bangs. I would like sweaty, to... Sweaty. Sweaty. Not slutty. <laughs> sweaty. I would like to the find a hot. version of Rebecca where Stanley Tucci plays every role. Okay. <laughs> All of them. I would absolutely... I would contribute to that fund. Thank you. I would say my ideal cast is like, for Maxim, is like a Daniel Craig... Mm-hmm. Oh damn! Mm. Okay, you know, but like Daniel Craig, no, but Daniel Craig now more removed. But Daniel Craig now, he's like fifty. You know, he's like a little. I not think that he's. Do people think he's hot? Yes, they do, yeah, and I it's very odd to me. I think he's kind of weird looking. Yeah, I do too. I I don't find him strangely. unattractive, but I am not attracted to him. I'm like, okay, your face has all the things in the places, but like. Your face is just a face to me. It's a fine face. It's a face. What about Christian Bale? Mm-hmm. Oh, he can be As weird. Matt's but up. I think he's hotter than oh, Daniel Craig. No. Again, I feel like it needs to... Look, I also think that their marriage is unconsummated up until the night okay, yeah, before they go. I don't away. think it is. Because she says like he, knows he has a lover on the honeymoon. Mm, yeah, but does that, does that mean that... Look, I think there's that scene right before he thinks he's about to go away to prison when he's told her all about what happened to Rebecca and mm-hmm. he's confessed the murder. And they talk about how we held each other as we never held each other before. Mm-hmm. Like, we mm-hmm. clung to each other in the night. And it feels like that's the first time their marriage is consummated. I think we can agree that they never had good sex up until that point. Oh, yes, I mean, she's pretty sure, sure yeah. she's not pregnant. Whenever people I, ask her, might you be pregnant? She's like, no, that's impossible. Uh, I have a Rebe- unnamed narrator pitch for the star, for the actress. Oh, okay. of, <laughs> yeah. uh, is Jessica Barden. She, she was in the end of the fucking world. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love her. Uh, she's like, tw- she looks super young, but she's like 28. Perfect. And, oh, and, yeah. she, and she has something that's like, 
she's very pretty, of course, but she just looks like she could look very plain oh, if yes, they wanted it, it to. Because I feel like that's that was her insecurity the whole time of how like classic and stunning Rebecca was, and then she couldn't like get her makeup right ever and felt invisible anyway. And yeah. I think she's also very good. Lily James is very unmistakably it's- beautiful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And she's 35. She like looks like a stunning woman. A woman of 35, yeah. the way like the narrator is obsessed with being. I do yeah. love the fact yeah. that I we're pictured- like, this woman's too old. <laughs> 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 Which I mean, she is for the character. She is. I just think yeah. it's yeah. funny that she that's is. the conversation for the that character. We're but I think I think it's like because her naivete is like so fundamental to the character. Mm-hmm. But yes, we are listen, now Hollywood listen, I will. We, yeah. I will always argue for women to be older in in movies than like it's like oh this this a woman who used to be an ingenue two years ago now that she's 34 is like the mother of two 18 year olds like it's that's always what happens and <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like yeah. very disappointing in their spare time they have to get really into baking that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just her instagram is just i'm all about that cooking for my family now yeah mm-hmm. gotta yeah. pivot yeah, when you turn 35, you have to be mommy now. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's take a, a brief moment here for an ad break. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women, like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends, we're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. 
Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back with Popcorn Book Club. <laughs> I wanted to go back to the question of sex. I... I do think that they had sex over their honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like, I think they had the classic vacation. They had like the vacation sex, like the, the like, and the vacation love story that when you like get back to your regular life, everything is not as what it seemed mm-hmm. like everything is wor- like you were in bliss in your vacation in Monte Carlo and where did Italy, 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 Italy. Italy. Mm-hmm. Italy and then and then they never had sex yeah. at Mandarin yeah. until yeah. Okay. Then. Yeah. that's what I that's yeah, what I, I think that's right they, they don't have they don't have I sex was surprised Mandarin. that they shared a bedroom like I know they had different beds but I in the first part of the book I just imagined her to have her own quarters because it felt she felt so isolated to me didn't they though was i thought it was like a suite i thought it was i think it well but i thought it was like in downton abbey like how they're attached maybe yeah were they each each other on bed but they were like "Ooh, we love each other so much that we're gonna bunk convention and sleep together every night Mm -hmm. (laughs) wow being in the 1930s sounds exhausting Imagine yeah. if you were poor. It does. Also, all the maids seem to be having a lot of fun. Like every time she was looking at the maids and they were all like having fun gossiping. <laughs> and like, I was like, this sounds like a better time. Oh, yeah. yeah every time she sees a middle class family, to be close. Uh, it seems like they're having a great time. Oh, yeah. Like, when she, she goes wishes to the she beach. could just hang out and have a picnic with people who are vacationing there. She like goes and sees yeah. a family at the beach that's just like a normal mom with her mm-hmm. children and dad and they're like having a, a, an afternoon. I just wanted to talk a little bit about like the pieces that I loved were like basically when it was all the falling action after the ball and the the, the constant reveals. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what I loved about the reveals, even if you saw the murder coming was that like it every time recontextualized everything that you've read, especially mm-hmm. like Mrs. Danvers point point of view over and over again. I feel like she's the most interesting character in the book mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, just like with ends with her fucking burning Manderley down is amazing. <laughs> yeah. But it amazing. was amazing, you know, just from Mrs. Danvers, that really terrifying scene where she like explains <laughs> that uh, you should be dead and tries to convince the he- the yeah. narrator to kill herself. That was wild. Um, yeah, she almost does. <laughs> yeah, she almost jumps. It's because the and ship it, and, like, crashes. classic scorned lesbian you just convince people I'm just joking please don't these are not none of these things are tropes or characters. and the tricking of the narrator to wear that outfit was so fucking cruel but then you realize at first I was like that was so cruel to do to her and then I realized oh she's doing it to him Mm -hmm. like she's doing it to her but really it's to him and then you realize like oh because he killed her, and she knows that. Like, she does, and she can't do anything about it. And and so it's just, like, this unraveling, and then the the body being found, and it just... And, and then, I mean, I loved the, the reveal. That was the one I did not see with the doctor. I thought it was going to be that she was pregnant. Yo, Wait, and that would, uh, that I think would have a motive. That's... Because once... And then I think the they motive. all think that yeah, she's same. pregnant, yeah. and then they're like, and that will yeah. seal Maxim's fate, because yeah. that's a motive and right there. 
And I just love that on every turn he gets off. And and I felt myself, even though it's awful, but I felt myself rooting for him to get off because I was just on this ride with the narrator. But then at the end, when Manderley burns down, I was mm-hmm. like, fuck yes. <laughs> like, it was just su- such, a, I, don't, I don't know. I, Isn't I, it, I love that falling I action. do think that the book, like that period where you're, we're all like rooting for Maxim to get away. Wait, Wait this thing. I would, like, no, I would no, like to say I was not rooting yeah. for Maxim no, no, no. to get away. Okay, okay. we're, we, well, not yeah, the collectively, but not, the, the, the institution of the book. Is, is positioning yes, you with the anticipation and the mm. fear of Max of this man who act, actually did murder his wife. Whether he had a reason or not, you're still not allowed to murder your wife, even if she taunts you. Sorry that she taunted <laughs> you. <laughs> Just should not shoot someone. Fragile uh, and hide her body. It's like yeah. you cannot take a joke. You literally yeah. cannot take a joke with somebody that you but, have okay. complete power over. Yeah. So, like I said, the the whole book is structured and, like, I found a very funny mm-hmm. way that mm-hmm. is very true of, like, the way that the system looks out for rich white men. Like, oh, yeah. the yes. policeman knows he did it, but is on his side. And even when Jack is like, mm-hmm. no, he, he did it, and you actually did it, he's like, okay, haha, we'll hear you out because we have to. Mm-hmm. But... Everyone involved is like, oh, really hoping we don't have enough evidence that we have to deal with this because we want you, yeah. Maxim, you give charity. Don't, no one wants to hold him responsible for his actions. They're all actively resisting. But look, yeah, everything I mean, good in Maxim's life, everything yep. that makes Maxim and, an interesting person is Manderley. Uh, it's yeah. what he yes. uses as the bait to get the second Mrs. De Winter to marry him. That he talks about, like, how you'll love Manderley. And she's seen it on a postcard. And she, like, knows that everybody thinks this estate is fabulous. That's all Rebecca. Rebecca mm-hmm. made mm-hmm. that house. Um, and I think maybe it is partly uh, the fact that I'm not reading this book when I'm 16 anymore. And uh, the fact that I am an adult now and we had to do renovations <laughs> And I had to, on a very, very small level, fix up my house the way Rebecca did. Uh, yeah, Danny should burn that place to the ground. That place was Rebecca's. Yeah. She did the work. That's what I made think- her husband a remotely <laughs> interesting person. I will say that Madeline had a history mm. before Rebecca showed up. I think It she was, was shit. Yeah. And Maxim makes that clear of like, this place is dirty garbage. Rebecca made me spend money on it. I never considered that before. Their furniture, like they had nice furniture, but it was all in storage and Rebecca, Rebecca chose what to buy now. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. She brought around like the Renaissance of Manderley. Mm-hmm. Like it did have a storied history. It was just fallen into disrepair. Right. So I feel like he could have let it continue to fester, but she brought it back and revived it. And that is what made him more interesting as opposed to just coasting on family legacy. It does feel like... The first line in the book is about Manderley. It's not about Maxim de Winter. I think it's a perfect... In that way, it's the perfect consequence for his actions. In that sense, it's like, well, now they're just two boring people living in a mediocre Mm -hmm. hotel with each other's company. And to be clear... I was not rooting for Maxim to get away with killing his wife. I think it was just, it's the ride that you're taken yes. on in those scenes where it's like, you want the tension to be released. Yes. And at every point they don't let it. Like you think when he comes back from the court, he's going to be like, I was convicted. And then he's not. And then Favel comes over and then that doesn't work. And then you go to the doctor and then that. Do- and so it's just like this, this sense yeah. of dread that I felt in that, 
back third of the book that didn't allow me to put it down. And I also, I mean, and I I love that feeling. And I love the like in that back half of all the descriptions of like the knowing looks, like so much of that last half is just like, What's her um Mrs. the second Mrs. De Winter talking about Frank looking at her, Maxim looking at her, not making eye yeah. contact, making like he know like I I love that shit. Yeah, that scene. It makes so much sense that Hitchcock was like, um, excuse me, I will take this one. Uh, <laughs> furtive glances. Yes. yes. Yeah. Furtive glances. Oh, I I guess I kind of was rooting for Maxim. Like wow. I thought in spite of myself. No, 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 but then because, like, they they make Jack seem like such a ne'er-do-well and, like, you don't want him to have his victory. He's such a slime bag. Oh, my God. And his lover is dead. Are we I not know, mad at but, Jack because he started drinking? Lover cousin. I'm sorry, Jennifer. He <laughs> was an asshole. Right, blackmailing yeah. them. He didn't I, want to they give... They frame him. Well, I'm sorry. I, I don't like money. the man yeah. who murdered his wife. No, I gotta say. <laughs> Two no, people no. can both be bad and also <laughs> against each other. That's true. Jack is just an alcoholic now. It's because he's sad. He's I'm also saying the book. Wait, let, let Dana Jennifer. finish. Jennifer. Let Dana, let Dana finish. <laughs> the book clearly frames Jack as the antagonist in this scenario. And because we're in the second Mrs. De Winter's head, we are on Max's side. And then it mm-hmm. takes like a pause. You have to read it and then pause and take a minute to step back and be Dana again and be like, oh, no. I mean, he did. He murdered his wife. Yeah. For me. So that I, I think the book the book brings you on that ride mm-hmm. in her voice and her perspective, and she is on she is Maxim's ride or die. Yeah. She finds yeah. out that he murdered someone and does not give it a moment of critical thought, which is oh. such a credit to Daphne, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I was reading, I was looking up some articles, and she, people she in when it first came out was surprised that people thought that this was a romantic novel. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a credit mm-hmm. to her writing that she was able to make so many people kind of lust and also be excited about this murder man, murder mm-hmm. man, daddy, baby girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> So excited about those two. Uh, Put that on yeah, my tombstone. It's so Murder man, Murder daddy, man, baby daddy. girl. No. Well, okay, I also a lot of people think... in this group have like long-term relationships. Um, I, I have always thought that if my husband came home and told me that he murdered someone, I would figure out how to get him out of the country. Like, uh, like oh, obviously mm. I would help him escape. I would assume that whoever he murdered, there was a good reason. And I Whoa. wonder if that is but the she, way most people barely, feel about their partners. Is she that, barely like, knows him, though. You oh, know, I turn her ass in. Jennifer, Jennifer you know Daniel so well. <laughs> Wait, Karama, what? You would never... I would never do that. Maybe that's why I'm the only single person here. But if somebody I was dating <laughs> came home to me and was like, babe, I killed somebody. I swear to you, it was completely justified. I would be like, okay, sweetheart, that's great. You go pack the suitcases. And as soon as they left the room, I would call 911 immediately because I am yeah, not yeah. going down for obstruction of justice. passport out so we could escape <laughs> no, but the here, but Here's the difference I want to say. Jennifer, you and Daniel have known each other for years and have had an intimate, close relationship in which you are partners and teammates in your life. You know Daniel and you in your heart would know Daniel is a, I can speak on behalf of him, is a very gentle man. And if he, he is, killed yeah. someone... 
there would be circumstances. There would be a good reason. Where it's like, I think we all book, agree that the, that person should die. The book makes, okay, but, but, <laughs> but the book makes very, very clear that they don't. She doesn't know Maxim. They're basically yeah, strangers. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. But sorry, Tiana. And if if it was your long term partner, okay, yeah. and they came back. And they were like, I murdered someone because they annoyed me and because they didn't laugh at my joke. I would be like, OK, I have to I have to. Yeah, turn it. yeah especially yeah, that's like was, that's, that's a strong point. I, I think if it was a stranger, if I would I would be and I've known Jeremy, you know, for a very long time, I'd be like, all right, babe, let's figure this out. Uh, but if he was like, I, so, you know, my ex, <laughs> how she died, uh, that was because of me. I'd be like, all right, I'm so sorry. You're going to jail. Uh, yes, yes. See, um, what y'all are fucking up is but, you're saying you're going to turn them in. You need to make them think you're on their side. And then you're like, yeah, I'm with you. I am oh, a yeah. ride or die. And Mike, indeed you Mike, are a ride or call out. the cops immediately. Like, I don't fuck with the cops and I would still okay, call the cops. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Oh, God. Right. Smart okay. drama. You're right. You're this right. man has murdered and he might murder again. I do want to say something. Yeah. Um, so we had all talked about sort of the beginning of the book. And I would just like to say that I think that it could have benefited from another edit. Um, the beginning mm. of chapter three was where I was like, oh, this book should have started here. Like, I didn't want it to start with them in the hotel on the lamb. Not on the lamb, because nobody thinks that he did it, even though he did it. Um, but... Um, I wanted it to start with the line, I wonder what my life would be today if Mrs. Van Hopper had not been a snob. I think that that's such oh, no. an engaging beginning I, to the story. Um, I love the way this story begins. Uh, first of all, because I think the only two moments of real clarity that this narrator has are in her dreams. The, the first one is about dreaming about returning to Manderley, and the second one is in the last chapter, where she dreams about Rebecca coming through her dreams and Rebecca just destroying everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I think those are things that she can't think about yeah. in her waking life, and that's really fascinating. And I, I think the next chapter means that we all know how this plays out. Like, we're all just waiting to see how they go mm -hmm. from having this beautiful home in Cornwall to living in shitty hotels and she begins as a paid companion to an older unpleasant person and now she is a paid companion to an older unpleasant person again and it's her husband and i think part of what uh, makes it such a mystery is how she gets back to that place i'm not a big yeah, fan of I knowing like the end at the mm. beginning most of the time that's that's i think that's a personal thing for me i also hate very vivid yeah. descriptions of flora and that's like yeah. a lot of the first two chapters. I think we've talked about that before. I'm like, I don't want to hear about plants. I don't want to hear I about plants. About, yeah. There's a lot of flower talk. So we got to we got to know all about these aliens so and the rhododendrons. The rhododendrons, <laughs> which uh, are are blood red at first, but then afterward come in blue. Yeah. Again, a hundred percent Rebecca's work. All her there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're, I love J Jennifer that you're giving, like, <laughs> shout, shout out Rebecca, credit, shout out, credit, shout out, shout out, you're the Dan, you're the Danvers of this, I will say that, that convincing her that. to wear the, the costume that Rebecca wore oh, to her last ball oh, yeah. is a Oof. crazy, I mean, amazing prank move like it's so it's evil genius what a it is so yeah. evil and and i just wanted i was like shouting in my like it's a trap don't do yeah, it like, why do she could get her to do it why do you trust she, mrs danvers I, know, I couldn't so yeah so yeah, naive yeah. but 
I do love, like, I, Karam, I agree. Sometimes I don't like knowing the ending at the beginning. Like, I really try to avoid spoilers of things. Mm-hmm. But I think, the to me, the way, like, every now and then she would, like, pe- drop in, like, uh, you know, the, the first and last, my first and last fancy dress ball. Uh, you know, just, like, little things of reminding you of the dread. I feel like this book was so much dread and I love that mm-hmm. shit and I think there's something if there wasn't that I would be like I don't care about the rhododendrons like <laughs> I don't because I know there's a body coming I know there's a, gonna be a body yeah uh, I'm like a horrible so. human being when I'm reading something <laughs> where I know there's murder and I think it's taking too long to get to the murder like I recently was reading um Heather Wells mystery series and the I think it's the fourth book in it you don't get to the body until like page 50. And I kept texting people. I was like, oh, I'm reading the next Heather Wells book and there's no one dead yet. And I'm just like, I'm on page 15. Where is the dead body? Where it at? Give me the body. I want the death. Give me the murder. And I'm like, it's a murder mystery. I want the murder. This is a very atmospheric novel. Yes. It's like, mm-hmm. it's everything is in subtle glances yeah. and in like, arranging flowers and then like what Mm -hmm. time is tea again like little social conventions Mm -hmm. that's our show for the week thank you so much for listening i'm dana schwartz and you can find me on twitter at dana schwartz with three z's you can follow jennifer wright at jen ashley wright karama dankwa is at karama drama melissa hunter is at melissa ftw And Tian Tran is smart enough to have gotten off Twitter, but she is on Insta at Hank Tina. Our executive producer is Christopher Hesiotis, and we're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to David Wasserman. Next week, after we make sure to print up a bunch of Gimme the Murder t-shirts, thank you, Karama, we will continue our conversation about Rebecca before we jump into the screen time portion of this book and do the 1940s Alfred Hitchcock adaptation and then the 2020 Army Hammer Lily James adaptation coming to Netflix. Popcorn Book Club is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, 
we all want to know. What happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.